Welcome to the Advanced Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rotelli. Today in the show, we have a very special guest, uh, the leader of Virginia's national championship team, Ryan Conrad. Uh, Ryan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. I'm uh, glad to be here. For anybody that doesn't know, Ryan was a first-team All-American this year. Um, did a little bit of everything for UVA. He's a two-time captain of the program. Um, played offense, played defense, and was an integral part of the run they made in the championship uh, weekend. Ryan, you've had a heck of a of a of a two weeks here. Um, you won a national championship with Virginia, and then you played your first ever pro game uh, this past weekend in the PLL. What's that been like for you? I mean, it's been the most amazing week of my entire life. I think <laughs> just getting that experience with uh, with my team at, at UVA, uh, something that we've worked for for. I mean, I'll say three years. It might not have been that entire team for three years, but we've been working so hard, um, so much with going through so much adversity through my my first couple of years, and even that year, this year specifically. So um, to to be able to accomplish that with that group of guys was was amazing, and uh, it just puts uh, just enforces all the hard work that we put in, and I'm so excited for those guys. And then to be able to go right from that and not even a week later, six days uh, to play my first pro game uh, on Sunday was, uh, was also amazing. It was totally, totally different than playing in college. It's a, a crazy fast speed with different rules and the guys are huge and it's just a massively physical game. So um, I, I was excited for the challenge. It's definitely going to be a, a learning curve for me, uh, but it, it was just, like I said, an incredible week. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to get into the PLL and what it's like to play pro lacrosse a little later, but let's talk first about that turnaround that you mentioned because, you know, you said it yourself, UVA, they kind of struggled the, you know, first three years you were there and you are credited really as the one who found a way to turn this program around. Um, how did you do it? Yeah, I, I definitely can't take full credit for that. Uh, we, we've had an amazing coach uh, with Coach Tiffany and Coach Kerwin and Coach Turner. All of them have been so helpful in terms of changing the culture. And uh, I think the, the most amazing part about uh, our, our UVA team this year specifically and years past is just how many leaders we have um, in all classes, not, not just in our, in our fourth year. We obviously have um, a lot of great fourth years that have, have been incredible leaders throughout their time here, but just having leaders in even the freshman class to an extent and the second years and the third years. And we had leaders all throughout this team. So I, I definitely cannot take credit for that. Um, I definitely did my part uh, and tried to do everything I can in order to bring UVA back to where it should be. Uh, but just how we were doing it, like I said, is just reinforcing, uh, creating leaders throughout all the classes and, and making sure I think this is absolutely the closest team I've, I've been on in my entire time uh, from first years to fourth years. I think everyone got along so well and there was no one that was really, I don't think, feeling outside of kind of the, the norm with our team. So um, just just honestly changing that culture and uh, just just being really just loving every day with each other and just uh, having fun with it. And uh, all, all of those put together just is kind of how we brought uh, UVA back to where it should be. Yeah, that's great. It was um... – it was a remarkable season, and you guys—it started off sort of rocky, especially 
since uh, last year, you didn't have the success that you guys wanted. You go out, play your first game against Loyola, kind of get smoked, um, win a close game, and then you know you lose to High Point. Um, at that point, I'm guessing you guys are probably kind of nervous, like, uh-oh, you know, we can't let this happen again. And you find a way to win these crazy close overtime games. You know, when did you start believing that this year was different? Um, I mean, I think I think we always knew that this year was going to be different. And I think something to note is after that high point game, uh, we brought everybody in uh, to have basically a team meeting just to kind of talk and see if anybody can put like see if anybody had any words they wanted to say. And I mean, basically, the message of the meeting was like, we're fine. Like, guys, we're one and two, but we have the entire season to go where we need to go. And we don't need to to freak out. This is not the end of the world. Um, we obviously had – we had some pretty strict rules, probably stricter than anything UVA has had in a while. And um, I think uh, the captains and I were uh, a little a little worried that um, guys would start pushing back on that a little bit more. But, I mean, after we – just because of uh, not having as much success and that kind of comes along with that. And, um, I mean – when we brought the guys in, there was nobody that was that was freaking out or worried. It was it was really just what we're good. Like we we know that we have the talent, we know that we have the system set in place, and we're we just know that we just have to do it, and we just have to come out there and perform to our to our capabilities. And I think that Syracuse game uh, is where we really saw it kind of turn around and having that uh, that come from behind victory in the dome. Uh, first uh or first ACC win of the season and that that just gave us confidence to go through the rest of the season that that kind of started our role um in terms of those kind of comeback victories so I think that was kind of where we where we kind of started rolling but um I think even after those first uh two losses at the beginning of the season we we knew we had what it takes and we just kind of recollected ourselves yeah let's talk about the last three playoff games because they they were um they were amazing games, and you came from behind in two of them. In the quarterfinal game, you guys are down five goals with seven to go, and that was the game where I remember seeing Ryan Conrad everywhere. You, It seemed like you were just willing your team to win and just refusing to lose, and I don't think you came off the field. Take us through that comeback. I mean, you're down five with seven to go. It seems like the game's pretty much over. How would you guys do that? I mean, I think it just it comes back to honestly the the Syracuse game, and it just comes back to the confidence that we have in ourselves and the almost weird amount of confidence we have when it gets into that fourth <laughs> quarter and we're down by a certain amount of goals. Um, you can just kind of feel it in the huddle. Guys are they start looking into each other's eyes and start saying like, "Okay, like it's our time now. Like we got one. Now we're gonna start rolling. Like it, it's our time." The the other team can kind of feel it too. Just because as we got more more of those in a row and just kind of all those comeback uh, victories, um, just that confidence that we have and the trust that we have in each other um, allowed us to kind of will ourselves back into that game. And it it, it is a kind of weird sense of confidence uh, with being down, like you said, five goals in seven minutes. And I think it was uh, a few goals with a few minutes left in the next game. So um, yeah. it was just uh, – it, it just comes down to us uh, really trusting in each other and just kind of having that confidence that we know we're never out of a game. Yeah. 
Well, and then you did it again in the semifinals. It was actually you're down two with 50 seconds to go in the game to Duke, a team that you hadn't beaten in the last 11 times, to have the confidence yeah. to dig in and, and again, sort of will yourself to a win. It was incredible to watch. It, was there ever a moment there where, you know, it's, it's under a minute to go, you're down two, you guys are worried? Or how, what was the spark there to kind of get it going at the end? I think we, we knew we had the potential to do it. Um, I think there was one goal where we had a we had a, an incredible like defensive stand, and I think it was like a two eighty second re like resets, and the defense was on it or two, and they were just dead tired. And one of the Duke guys kind of threw up a, a prayer of a shot, and it went in. And I think guys yes. at that point felt a little deflated. And we were a little worried at that point, but I think honestly, that was a blessing in disguise because that gave our faceoff guy an opportunity to continue to win faceoffs, and then we didn't lose a faceoff from then on out. So that kind of deflated us a little bit. But then after our faceoff guy, who uh, Petey Lasalle, who's just been a stud the entire year, and he's just a freshman that honestly is playing well beyond his years. Um, he just has. He really is just so clutch. He has. He's no pressure. Just doesn't feel it at all. Um, and just once we got into those kind of final minutes, uh, he, he just was winning everything and we just built that confidence off of him. And after him getting us the ball, it just is about time for our, our offense to start putting in the net. Yeah. Yeah. LaSala was incredible. Um, and especially in Yale against Yale too, you know, going against TD. So, well, you make it to the championship game, and in the final game, you guys kind of been coming from behind all season, but you go out against Yale, and you kind of, you kind of beat them up. You know, you ride, ride them all over the field. You dominate ground balls, and you go up, and uh, you kind of, and you do it sort of differently than you've done all year. Um, what was said in the locker room before the game to get you guys coming out firing like that? Um, like honestly, nothing different than, than what we've heard day in and day out. I think, I think it comes down to just the hard work that we put in throughout the year. And with that kind of quick turnaround, I don't think, I don't think all teams are ready for that. And I think we did an incredible job with our strength and conditioning coach, coach Hummer and our training staff with Rebecca Bozo and like our coaches just preparing us for that kind of quick turnaround and, and, just mentally being prepared for that game. I think we've been a physical team the entire year. If you ask anybody, they, they'll tell you that. Um, but I think just adding that with the conditioning and just how great a shape that we were going into that game, I think uh, they weren't totally ready for our physicality. And just bringing out that energy, obviously, you, you can't really recreate that, just being in a championship game. So once we were there, we knew we were going to have the energy. So it was more just kind of playing our game and focusing on ourselves. And I think we did an incredible job of that. And uh, for the first time, or not the first time, but for one of the only times in the year, we, we played really a, a early good game and then a late good game. So we played full, uh, kind of a full four-quarter game, which is uh, something that we haven't done a ton this season. Uh, but it was incredible to see it that we did it in the last game. Yeah, you picked a good game to, <laughs> to, to play a yes. complete one. That's we did. for sure. We did. Um, I remember the national championship game we played in 2003. We similar sort of thing. We went up five nothing in the game against a really good Johns Hopkins team. We came out with crazy energy, 
and it did feel like we we really played a complete game. Funny, one of the things that stands out to me from our championship game is, um, of all things, a ground ball that I picked up while I was sort of in a big pile. I remember picking up a ground ball, running out of the scrum, feeling like, man, that's the best ground ball I ever picked up. Um, It's a funny thing to stand out in a big game like that. What's one moment from the championship game that stands out for you? Um, The championship game, honestly... I'd say probably the hit that Dave Smith put on uh, one of our one of our guys or one of one one of the Yale guys. He he really just popped him. And this is this is a big guy with Mac Audette, uh, number forty four in Yale. Yeah. He, he's a big dude. So to see uh, see Dave Smith really kind of clean his clock a little bit legally, uh, of course. But um, to see that, I think that really got the guys just absolutely riled up. And I think another one of note to point out is just the first faceoff. I think there's a ton, a ton of anticipation coming into that game um, about kind of how how we were going to handle TD, like how we were going to handle the infamous TD Erland, who's yeah. been whatever eighty something percent the entire year, and to see PD come out and just immediately lock him up, and I think he might have won the clamp. Yeah, um, but I, think he I don't think he got the ball, but I think he won the clamp, and just to see that, I think everyone was like, "Ooh, okay." Like we've got this. Yeah, like, that that was the big question mark throughout the game, and to see PD come out and prove himself right off the bat, uh, it was it was a huge, huge confidence boost for the guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I, ta- I want to talk about pro lacrosse too. So you're drafted fifth overall in the MLL and then second in the Premier League. Um, how'd you decide which pro league to play in this year? Um, I mean, I think. I think I was kind of following both leagues uh, throughout throughout kind of my college season. Not too much, obviously, just because I was trying to focus on the the task at hand. But um, I, just through talking to both the coaches and just kind of um, seeing where both the leagues were going, uh, it just I think it just made the most sense uh, for me, just in terms of the the level of play in the PLL with just how incredible the players are and just kind of where I see it going with how much they are promoting it on Instagram and social media and just kind of what they're doing and how they're doing it and just talking to players, how they're talking about how professional this league really is, is just kind of pushed me in that direction. Yeah. And um, I think I made the right decision for me uh, just uh, just for the, the next couple of years and um, moving forward. And I'm, I'm really excited to play in the PLL for uh, the Atlas Across Club. How do you see the PLL evolving this season, uh, both for your team and also just the league as it goes through its first year traveling around the country playing these great games? Great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I see it just getting more and more followers and more people interested in the game of lacrosse, which is, I think, the the whole goal behind it. Um, there's obviously a great condensed uh, lacrosse community that are diehard lacrosse fans. But I think the biggest thing for the game of lacrosse is getting more people interested in it. And I think um, this last college championship did a great job of that. I think there's record attendance and record people just watching the game. So um, that's a, that's just great for the game of lacrosse in general. And I think the PLL an incredible job with that. Great for handling the social media aspect and the marketing and just I think this traveling uh, kind of way that they're going about it, where they're going from city to city, kind of similar to the championship weekend uh, vibes, um, I think is a, is a good way to start right now. And I, I'm not sure what the plan is moving forward, but 
just to be able to build those kind of followers and to be able to come to these different venues and have be able to touch a lot of different places rather than just keeping it on the East Coast, um, I think is an incredible way for it to kind of expand the game of lacrosse. And I think for all those reasons, I think it's going to be wildly successful and definitely one of the reasons why I chose it. That's awesome. Yeah, we're excited for it, for, to see you guys play out here in San Jose uh, in, in August when, when you come to Northern California. should be really exciting. Um, you also happen to be on the same team as Paul Rabel, the guy who's really started this whole thing. What's that like? Uh, Rabel's sort of larger than life, and he's the one behind this whole thing. What's it like playing with him? I mean, it's it's, un- it's a dream come true, honestly. I did I've you look up him to him growing since, up? Uh, I was a young kid. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the way that he plays, being a midfielder, being able to go both hands, shooting on the run, uh, it's something that I tried to emulate my game off of a lot. Um, and he's obviously such an incredible player. And to be able to be on the same team as him, and obviously outside of all of the, the great things that he does for the league, he's he's a really great teammate. And just be able to get those kind of like words of encouragement and practice and words of encouragement in the game and just kind of like slapping me on the back, say like, Hey, good run. Like, great job. It's, it's really all of that just means so much. And, um, it's, it's really amazing to be on this team. And obviously the thing that he's doing for, for the game of lacrosse is, um, unprecedented and he'll be remembered forever because of it. Yeah. Well, you've obviously had such an incredible season. Um, it's, it, it's easy to almost forget that you tore your ACL last year and, um, and then for those of us that yeah, um, have never torn an ACL or, or come back from an injury like that, um, take us through that process of from the, you know, from the moment you realize that you're, you're going to miss your junior season. And, and then how did you work hard to come back and, and have such a phenomenal year this year? I mean, it was, uh, it was the hardest thing I've done in my entire life without a doubt. And, I think anyone that you'll talk to that has gone through an ACL reconstruction surgery will tell you that and will tell you that you're, you're a different person coming out of the recovery and out of the surgery than, than you are when you go in. And honestly, I think I'm a better person because of it. I think that last year where I missed uh, my junior season, I think I had to really kind of change the way that I impacted the team. And being a junior captain um, and not being able to play uh, forced me to be a lot more vocal and forced me to, uh, and the coaches did a really incredible job of challenging me um, to, to change my role because I can't be that kind of on the field leader. So being able to adapt those skills where I'm being more vocal and leading the team through different ways um, was an incredible way for me to kind of better myself through that uh, kind of grueling time. But in terms of my recovery, uh, I, I had an amazing, amazing support staff with, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Rebecca Bozo, um, Coach Hummer wasn't there yet, but uh, just my strength and conditioning coaches. And then when I came up to New York, I was actually uh, I was in the summer. I was doing an internship with with Credit Suisse, and I had to uh, basically wake up at uh, six o'clock in the morning and um, get my uh, get my workout in. And then uh, around eight a.m., I'd have to get in my physical therapy before I start my job at nine a.m. So it was uh, it was a tough summer in terms of working long hours, and then having to wake up every morning and getting my, uh, my PT in, but all of that hard work and all of that, uh, that encouragement and, um, the support that I've gotten from all the people around me, um, obviously helped me to come back better than I think I was before and stronger. So I'm inc- incredibly just, uh, happy that, um, 
that it, it turned out the way it did. But um, in general, I think uh, I think I'm a better person throughout that uh, recovery and throughout that surgery, just because uh, it really challenged me to kind of work outside my box. And I, I'm it's a weird thing to say, but I'm kind of glad it happened. Yeah. Wow, man. Three hours from six to nine before you start your internship every day to to get back. Holy cow, man. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder you're so hardworking on the field. Um, when did you start feeling like your old self? Uh, you know, you felt like I got to imagine, you know, I never did do an, uh, an ACL, but I got to imagine there's like the first time you run or, or cut full speed, you're a little timid. Um, when, when did you stop thinking about the knee and just go out and play? Uh, weirdly enough, I, I think I, I did a good job of kind of not focusing on it right away in terms of my recovery um, and just kind of like running and things like that. I started my, my running, I think, midway through the summer, and the first thing I did was run like three miles. And I, I was just so excited. I think it was just partially just excited to be moving around that I didn't even really think about it too, too much. Um, but I think once I started, like you, like you mentioned, cutting and actually playing with the guys, then I started kind of feeling that timidness a little bit. And I think that's where I, I was kind of pushing my athletic trainers to let me play maybe a little bit early, uh, just because I wanted to play in the, the Penn State scrimmage and they held me out and it absolutely makes sense why. Um, but I think just getting that kind of game experience, and I think it even took me a few games throughout the year. Just the first three games, I, I definitely didn't didn't have my best first three games uh, this season. And I think um, just getting back into the swing of things in terms of game speed uh, took me a few games to get back into, uh, like I mentioned, like the swing of things. And um, so I think probably felt confident in terms of running and cutting. But once you get back on the field and being hit and being able to react, react to people, um, I think that took a little bit longer for me. Uh, take us behind the scenes, some of the other things you do to train, like, you know, you didn't come off the field in the playoffs. It seemed like, you know, what are you doing to, you know, what are you and your teammates doing to, to be in such great shape? And then what are some of the lacrosse things you're doing to train and get better with your stick? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think our conditioning as a team just comes back to our, like I mentioned, our strength and conditioning coach, coach Hummer and, um, our coaches. Uh, the way that we form practice is we have, and if you look at one of our practice plans, it, it's hilarious. They are, they are broken out down to the freaking second. And it's, it's amazing. It's literally, we'll have like a minute and like a certain amount, like two minutes for water. And then we're starting it at starting the next drill at two fifty seven, And it, <laughs> into every second of the practice you know exactly what you're doing and we're moving from station to station uh literally we we run from from drill to drill and we are consistently moving and i think just doing that like day in and day out from fall just gets us in incredible shape and we didn't even really do any running as a team um i think we might might have had a test uh i think when we got back in the fall we did we did have a, a little running test but after that we really did no running as a team really which is no pretty sprints. pretty un, unprecedented yeah wow. we'll do sprints we'll do sprints after uh after the games just we had a little rule about like no sidearm shots and if you weren't one of the guys that had the license to shoot sidearm we'd do like two or three sprints after after a game but in terms like of actually conditioning 
we we wouldn't do much. Wait, wait, like literally after the game, like game ends, and then you guys go run sprints. So the the day after, the every day Sunday, after. Uh, okay. All we, right, so, we have our lift, and then we'd go outside and run our sprints, and then watch right. film. So hold on. So who has the license to shoot sidearm? <laughs> so who's allowed? Ian Laviano has okay. the license to shoot wherever he wants. Uh, <laughs> Michael Krause has the license to shoot. Uh, I think on the lefty wing. Um, and when he's coming across with his left hand, um, and I think we, those might be the only two guys that really have license to shoot sidearm. I mean, Doc's A can shoot sidearm a fair amount, but he just doesn't <laughs> yeah, anyway. We, we definitely ran for it. We ran for it. So. <laughs> so how do you earn the license to shoot sidearm at, uh, under with coach Tiffany? Um, I'm honestly not, I'm not sure. It was something that we added, I think halfway through the season. So um, that might be something you have to take up with him, but right. I hear there's some sort of application process in the fall. <laughs> I, I never got an opportunity to do it. So, yeah. Well, overhand to the side pipes is a pretty good way to go too. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, well, your dad played lacrosse at Delaware. Um, you know, is is he the one that introduced you to the game? How'd you how'd you get started playing in the first place? Yeah, it, it absolutely comes back to my father. Uh, he, he's just been an incredible inspiration for me my entire life. And he definitely was hard on me throughout my life. And it's, it's why I'm having as much success as I do. I would not be here without him. He, he really pushed me to be the best person uh, I can be and to be the best lacrosse player I can be. And he would, if I was watching TV for more than an hour and sitting on my butt, he, he'd give me some kind of snide remark or something just to get me off my butt and go outside and play whatever sport I was in season for that year. Um, and I, I really never had a second off throughout my, throughout my life. And I think that, I think that's why I am able to kind of run all day and really just not get that tired. It's just coming back to net, like just really never stopping throughout my entire life. I was always doing something, always playing, always wanted to be out. So, um, I don't know, shooting hoops on, on the basketball hoop outside or, I don't know, shoot, shooting with uh, lacrosse or soccer or whatever I may have been doing that uh, that season. And I just really never had a day off. And it, I just kind of got kind of accustomed to that. And that comes back to my father just putting me into sports early and obviously the love that I have for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you mentioned soccer and basketball. You were, a, yeah, you were an excellent three-sport athlete um, in high school. Uh, do you have a favorite second sport uh, after lacrosse? I'd have to say I'd have to say basketball is my favorite yeah. um, second sport, but I think I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say that because I was definitely better at soccer than I was at basketball. Um, but uh, I definitely and we my my high school team actually had a ton of success in in soccer, and I was fortunate enough to be on that team. Um, but uh, I think basketball. I still play it, um, not as much, uh, especially not in this season, just because don't want to risk any uh, injury. Yeah. Uh, one of the basketball ton and just playing pickups it's so fun so. one of the one of the many things that you're uh, great at um, and really better than anybody in the country at this scale is picking up ground balls um, what what do you do to practice and become so good at ground balls um, and what's your mindset like to, to go out there and and do what you do um, I think first off, it comes down to just that kind of that grit and tenacity and competitiveness that 
um, just drives me throughout my entire life. Um, I really just hate losing in anything. And if I can have uh, an opportunity for a one-on-one battle, which is my mindset in, in every single ground ball that I see, um, if I can basically break it down to if I'm close enough to that ground ball where I could get to it and somebody else might be able to get there too, I can make that a one-on-one battle. And I, I feel like nine times out of 10, I can win that just because of uh, my competitiveness, my athleticism. And I just really have that want and desire to, to pick up every single ground ball that, that comes my way. Um, and I think it also comes back to, uh, to coach, uh, Tiffany. He, he says he doesn't want us to be selfish in any way, except for on the ground balls. And, uh, <laughs> I try to take that to heart. So, um, no, I think it just comes, comes down to, uh, really just, just that drive and that will and that confidence that you can have. Cause a lot of it's mental, just kind of sticking your nose in the ground and having that confidence that you're going to pick it up. Yeah. Um, in terms of, in terms of drills, I think it just comes down to what you're doing in practice and, what the coaches are drilling for you. And I think I've had a ton of great coaches throughout my entire life. My dad included just drilling ground balls in my head and in our teams. And I think my, my teams throughout my life have been incredibly good at ground balls because that's been a huge focus uh, for our coaches. And, and then in terms of just kind of what I do by myself, I, I try and find some sort of uneven, um, I actually had uh, at Lowell Blakefield, there's like a set of stairs kind of right by the, the field and they're super just kind of rigid and, and uneven. And if you throw it hard enough, it, you, you can get a pretty unpredictable bounce off uh, off those stairs. So I, I would rip it at the stairs and just kind of have myself react to it and kind of work on my, my stick skills and try to pick that up. And I think that's a good way to just kind of get used to kind of bending your back and getting used to that position and getting your backhand down and picking up that ground ball. Um, so that, that's a good way to kind of work on that if you're just starting out, but just kind of drilling it and just kind of making that a one-on-one battle is probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, um, take, take me through the recruiting process for you a little bit and how did you end up at UVA? Yeah, uh, it started very early for me. Um, and I'm glad they changed that rule just because, uh, ch- making that kind of life decision, uh, at, I th- what is it? 14 years old. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty crazy that you're, you're having 14 year olds, obviously with, uh, the parents helping you make that decision, but, um, that's, that's very early. So I'm kind of, I'm glad they changed that. Uh, that is rule, that but, when you made um, your decision? Luckily, with, is that when you committed when you were like 14? Yeah, after my uh, after my freshman year in high school, I, I committed to Virginia. Wow. Yeah, and it's honestly, I'm I'm lucky though because I I absolutely made the right decision for me, and I think it comes back to loving UVA. For I honestly don't really know why, um, but I my dad and I were were following UVA since I was really little. Um, it's probably just because of the fast paced play. And uh, the way that they get up and down the field and just kind of watching Coach Starja and all those great teams back in the day. And I went to the 2011 uh, championship weekend um, in Baltimore and just being able to see them win that. Uh, I think it just kind of drove my love for UVA. So um, obviously there are some there are some other schools in competition. But when it came to the, the end of it, I was uh, I was diehard UVA. And I think my mom even in the in the talks with uh, Coach Starja told him that uh, we bleed orange and blue uh, for, for absolutely no reason. We, we had no one go no one go to UVA. There's no reason why. But uh, we, we really did love UVA, and I was so happy I had the opportunity to go to uh, such an amazing school. <laughs> 
Well, like you became a fan of Virginia in 2011, there's a lot of kids that were watching Championship Weekend this year who have become fans of Virginia because of what you did out there. What's some advice you'd give aspiring young lacrosse players that want to play lacrosse in college? What would you tell them to focus on and do? Honestly, the biggest thing I'd say is don't um, just kind of isolate yourself into one sport. Don't just focus on lacrosse. Um, and also just don't focus on one position. Um, I think there's a ton of guys that come into college that are com- com- like there's some guys that go from offensive mini all the way to like long stick defense. You, you just really don't know how your coaches are going to use you and where you're going to end up in college. So I would say just working on your athleticism as much as you can, which I think playing multiple sports helps you do that. It really just kind of benefits people. I think in my opinion, more, more than anything you can do just kind of like through soccer. I think I got a ton of great endurance and field awareness and basketball worked on my, my defense and my footwork and just kind of my ball skills. Um, and I think, uh, things like that can really be those intangibles that really help you kind of differentiate yourselves and coaches love uh, multi-sport athletes also. Um, and I think just, yeah, not isolating yourself into one position um, can help you just be more versatile on the field. And the more that you can do, the more, the more likelihood the coaches are going to want you and they're, they're going to always be able to find a spot for somebody that can do a, a lot of things really, really well. Well, Ryan, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you get out, out of here. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on all the success and uh, great job bringing Virginia back to the top. Good luck with everything with the PLL this summer. We're looking forward to seeing you out in San Jose in a couple months. Mm